Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Roker Report Extra Pod. It's Gav back once again. Yeah, you're probably wondering what have you done to deserve this. I'm sorry you're going to hear a lot of me this week. Uh, I'm joined by Jimmy Lawson, Mr. Play Ratings, on the other side of the screen that was right now. How are you doing, Jimmy? Yeah, good, good. Yourself? Fabulous, yeah. Well, I say fabulous. Mm. We're about to talk about Sunderland. Jimmy Moon's <laughs> going to plunge even further. Talking about going further and down under, it's Martin in Australia. Good day, mate. How are you doing? Champion. Yes, not very well, thank you, Gav, yes. That's that's never going to get any less cringeworthy when I say it, but I still like doing it. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're here today to talk about Sunderland's game at the weekend with Doncaster Rovers, of course, a team who many have probably been surprised by this season, playing good football, uh, winning lots of games, scoring good goals, playing nice stuff with a manager that the fans like. Sounds like the complete opposite to Sunderland, doesn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean... It's a bit of a coup for them, really, to get Darren Moore, especially when he came in, considering things had really kind of gone tits up for them. So they lost so many of their good players after those playoffs to get him in off the back of two good years at West Brom. Yeah, then looking at them with envy, same with Plymouth. I don't know if any of you guys watched it on Monday night against Portsmouth, but young manager looked like they had a plan when mm-hmm. they got the ball playing it around, lots of movement in their front three. There's a lot of teams that are going in one direction and we're we're obviously not. Yeah. Martin, I mean, Sunderland, obviously at the weekend, were shopping, weren't they? Are you worried? Are you worried about Doncaster at all? I think we'd be very lucky to get anything um, out of the game at all, to be honest. I'd settle for a point right now in the context of, of the season and, like, my view at the minute is we've just we're, we're treading water at the minute, and we just have to pick up points until the next thing happens, i.e., the next you know the takeover happens, and I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, but at the minute, we just have to scrap away and get whatever we can. But if we got two points out of the next two games, I'd be I'd be quite content, which is a a terrible thing to say as a Sunderland fan when you the next two games are Doncaster away mm. and Fleetwood away, and not Manchester United and Liverpool. Well, I was just about to touch on that, actually, Jimmy, because we've got Doncaster and we've got Fleetwood on the Friday night. And then the two games after that, I think, are Burton and someone else. Shit, I've totally forgot. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone remember. But anyway, we're playing two crap teams after that. And it's, it was making me wonder about it. And I'm thinking, well, if you were going to sack Phil Parkinson, you would probably have done it now, wouldn't you? Um, everybody who wants rid of him is probably probably content knowing that he's not going to hang on to that job should the takeover go through. 
and we're being told it could be a matter of weeks, right? So what is it a case of we just have to grin and bear it the next couple of games? I mean, I'm, yeah. it's going to be a struggle, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think the one thing we have to remember is, as crap as the weekend was and as crap as things have been, last year was way worse. Like, I remember being stood in that stand in Gillingham and just thinking, there's no way that guy isn't sacked in the next 48 hours. I remember coming out of the stadium on Boxing Day and thinking, well, this guy's gone. He's gone. It's It's done. It's over. I remember sort of that feeling that I used to have in the 19-point season, in the 15-point season, where it's like, I don't know where our next points are coming from. And that was less than a year ago. So I think the thing is, we've got to remember is, one, it's an empty stadium, so the pressure is less. And two, that that Parkinson's come back from the dead before. So as, as naff as it is, as much as people are fed up with him, as much as watching the games on stream sucks... Every game in League One, even with this manager, I think we've got a chance in. So that is that is something we've got to cling to. Although ideally, we'd be seeing the better product, we'd be seeing better from our players. Mm. We're still in a league where, because of the quality of our squad, we're going to be competitive week in and week out. And for better or worse, we've got a manager who seems to be quite good at ignoring the noise from the outside. So I don't think that the sort of social media meltdown, the the sense of sort of anger that's coming out of the club, that's being directed towards the club on social media is going to affect the players too much. And I think if you're looking for positives, that is potentially one. Mm. How are you feeling about the chances of the team on Saturday then, with that in mind? I don't know. I mean, I I could see us nicking a point. It's, It's so hard to say because, like you said, Doncaster are a good team, but is it going to be a more open game? Are defence going to get back to what they were? A lot depends mm. on who's fit because I kind of think if if Willis can start looking like Jordan Willis again, then maybe we've got a chance of nicking a draw. Maybe we've got a chance of nicking a one nil, sneaking out a two one like we did there last year. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's it's really hard to say. It's really it's def- hard to say. Well, I think that's a feeling shared by the fan base. So I threw it out on Twitter just earlier there and asked everybody, you know, how are you feeling about this game and Sunderland's chances of winning? And just to scroll through a few of them, we've got Cameron Johnson who says, I don't know how anyone can look forward to Sunderland games anymore. The way we're playing and the way this manager's got us set up each week's just painful come three o'clock. I don't look forward to games and the we should win this just doesn't seem plausible anymore. Aislin says, I'm at the point where a competitive draw would be a positive result. Uh, Icing on the cake would be to see a youngster or two get some game time. Wishful thinking with Parkinson at the helm. Probably just going to be the usual drab, dull, lifeless tripe we get all the time. Hannah pretty much shares those feelings. She's saying, uh, I'm getting the same feeling I had when Moyes was in charge. Just can't get geared up for the match. I'm just filled with dread. It's like, oh great, how can we embarrass ourselves today? What can we do to outsummon ourselves? Why don't we utilise our players? Yeah, I mean, I'm scrolling through these replies and everyone's pretty much on the same page. Joe saying he feels pessimistic. Ian Brown um, is a little bit more positive. He's saying if we play the right players in the right positions, then we'll win. If Parkinson persists with shoehorn and people interfere his inability to change and be flexible, we'll lose our fourth in the row. Martin, I guess that's a point we can move on to. Parky's insistence of sticking with players, and we I, we touched on this on Sunday when we did the uh, the recap show. It's it's pretty much becoming his undoing for me. The fact that he's just so inflexible tactically that players are having to be shoehorned into positions just to fit his system. Is there any chance that he changes this at the weekend to try and save his job? Do you think? I don't think there is, and I find it quite quite strange and curious, really, because. Parkinson, before he came to Sunderland, never had a, a reputation of being a three-at-the-back manager. 
And he's he's stumbled upon this system with that terrible run that Jimmy was talking about, the Gillingham away Bolton game. I think I think it was after that, or it might have been the Bolton game where he went to. We battered somebody, didn't we? We battered somebody playing throughout the back, and Willis, Willis was overlapping down the right. It was Wickham, yeah, because I, I I was over for yeah. Christmas and that that game it was yeah. Willis was doing a great job, and it was kind of like Parkinson watched Sheffield United the night before and thought, oh shit, that's a that's a good <laughs> idea. Let's try that, and it kind of worked. And he's he's chucked everything. He's chucked every chip he's got onto five at the back, which is fine if you've got the players to, to play it. The, the the really contradictory thing is that his, his football system all throughout his career has been based on crosses. Get wide, get crosses into the box, and with a with a five, you've only got one player going down the wing. Whereas if you've got the four at the back, mm-hmm. you've got the two. And I think that's that really shows in our style of play because you you, you kind of have people like Denver Hume and or nine or Gucci, whoever's whoever he's designated as a wing back, kind of on on the on the road and you know having a lot of um, a lot of pressure on them to create those those crossing opportunities. And he's he's you know as we saw on Saturday, he's, he's putting Luke nine at the back there for it. And he, you were going at the, the MK Dons game on Saturday, and you kind of go, you know what? We haven't got Flanagan and McLaughlin because they're on international duty. You haven't got um, you know RB and Feeney and all of these other other centre halves because they're injured. It's a perfect game. To go for it at the back and try something different, you know, you got you're playing against a team who hadn't won in the away game for twelve months, and you just just go and do it. And he kind of he tried something different with Grig up front, and that, that that would be the only thing I would kind of say to his credit. He's tried to figure out that front two or three to get a a more optimal partnership or, or threesome up there. But that five at the back with mm. Ledbetter sitting deep as well, it's it's going to be six at the back sometimes, and it's just mm. overkill. And you know, he, to me, he's got to try something different. I, th- I did notice a few people point out the the Grig thing and that he was trying something different. But to me, it felt as though well, he's he's played he's played Graham up there, he's played O'Brien up there. Is it not just a case, Jimmy, that he was just throwing some mud at the wall and hoping it stuck? I think it might have been a game specific thing because I was thinking about this. I was looking at Twitter the other day, and a lot of people have sort of been raving about. The fact that the MK Don's goalkeeper kept on moving out the right centre back. So I wonder if he looked at that and thought, I want more pace. I want someone who can press. I want to stop MK Don's from playing out from the back. I want them to feel uncomfortable. And I wonder if it was a tactical one off because, yeah, I was on, I was on this podcast last week and I never thought in a million years Grig would play. <laughs> like that was the, the last thing on my mind, I was like, well, it's going to be Maguire or Embleton. He, he might throw someone new in there. He's going to look for more creative players. My hunch is that he kind of thought, right, MK Dons, good passing team, 60% possession. We're, we're going to press first league game in, in two weeks. We're going to get after them. So I think it was a game-specific thing. I think it was him thinking, if ever there was a game for Will Grigg, this, this is it. And I think... Will Grigg repaid him by missing two massive chances and that'll that'll be Grigg gone, I think. But but Martin's right. The bigger point is that he's he's played for it at the back for too long. He's tried to shoehorn too many players in positions they're not used to, and he should have changed it. But now Flanagan's back, now McLaughlin's back, the need for him to change it is less so. He can look at it and be like, Well, we were quite good when these two were playing at playing at centre back. We'll go back to what we know, we'll we'll trust ourselves, we'll put the MK Dons game down to Will Grigg missing from five yards and, and we'll carry on. So I, I fully expect him to ignore the larger problems with his system and just carry on as we've been. I think um, mm. you can you can argue a, a case for it though, can't you, being in, in a way game where you know you are going to be under pressure. And I think that's the that's a frustrating thing. I've, I've got no problem with the three at the back system. I've been 
quite supportive of it because it's you know to be fair to him it's the first time for a, a while you can see that we've got a system that the players are drilled in and you, you can see what we're trying now we, we might not agree with the attractiveness of it we might not agree with the effectiveness of it but at least we can kind of see there's a tactical shape and system there so i think that's that's a positive the the negative out of that is that he's so rigid in that he can't change it and you know whether the players can change it or not is another another matter but you know the players who come into those roles like Gooch has like o- O9 has you can see they know what what they should be doing whether they've actually got the technical ability to do it to the right level or not is another matter altogether isn't it but you can see that they understand the system and I think going like going into the Doncaster game on Saturday, I've got no issue with the five at the back because I think it will be a a tough game where you know we're probably looking to pick up the scraps and get a goal. You know that's that's unfortunately the reality of the situation that we're we're in. It's more the games like the the game on Saturday and like the the previous home games that we've we've dropped points in where we we're so rigid in that five that we haven't got a plan a plan B. I know it's cliched, but it's that it's that other option, isn't it, that we just don't have. Mm. Uh, th- this this takeover thing hanging over us at the minute, Jimmy. Um, obviously I touched on it before. Parkinson probably knows he's a goner eventually. I mean, it's very high, highly likely that with a sporting director coming in and a new owner, that they will go a different route at some point. And it's kind of like, well, when do I go? With that hanging over, not just Parkinson but the players, just um, just do you foresee that having any sort of impact? Because if I was a player in that dressing room. And all this was going on. It would be a distraction, surely, because you're kind of thinking, "Well, this manager hasn't got long left. You know how can, how much can I buy into what he's trying to get us to do?" And before you, before I let you speak, there, I, w- I just want to point out something which I noticed today. I was listening back to the BBC Newcastle podcast after the game on on Saturday. Gary Bennett talked about Lyndon Gooch's position on the pitch and sort of alluded to the fact he felt that Gooch kind of neglected his responsibility. In terms of being a wing back, he, he kind of talked more about how Gooch had sat higher, and that meant because he refused to maybe do uh, the traditional job of a wing back, that Willis was getting pulled across and it was sort of causing problems at the back. And it did make us wonder like, have some of these players stopped playing for him, do you think? It's, it's really hard to say because I was on it last week and I was saying how I'd been really disappointed with the reaction to the Portsmouth game because that was our first real setback of the season. Okay, we had the 1-1 draw with Bristol Rovers, but that was our first loss. Like we got badly outplayed in that game. And I was mm-hmm. hoping in the Rochdale game, in the Gillingham game, what you'd see is a focused set of players. And it was really one of the things I was really trying to look out for on Saturday. And for the most part, I thought the effort was there. I thought most of our failings were more of a tactical perspective. It's like... So Martin touched on earlier, it was just death by crosses. It was just, it was the lack of variety. It was the lack of strategy to break a team down. It was our inability to stop MK Dons breaking on us in those first 50 minutes. A lot of our failings, I thought, more than anything, were tactical. Because it, it something's not felt right watching Sunderland for the last two to three weeks. So it was something I was definitely trying to hone in on Saturday. And I didn't see it so much. I didn't see it so much. I did think that there were 11 committed players out there, whether they'd got the right instructions or been set up in the right way to win. Well, obviously they hadn't, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's certain players that would be happy to see the back of him, but I think it's a bit early to suggest that they've kind of given up on him or that mm. that they've sort of gone that way. I would say with the, um, the, the Gooch observation, I think that's probably more likely a byproduct of Willis not being able to move than Gooch neglecting <laughs> any sort of tactical um, responsibilities because usually in that system Willis is kind of underlapping and getting out 
in, in that final third on the right hand side, isn't he? he just he, he's knocked. You can tell he's not he's not fit in in, in the slightest, and he he couldn't do that. But it'll be interesting to see if he actually plays on on Saturday. Well, I suspect he will because you know as long as he can stand up, Parkinson will play him. <laughs> mm. What I think we'll do now is we'll we'll go on to my conversation with Paul Goodwin of the Doncaster Free Press. He's a Sunderland fan who works for the local paper down there. And I spent a little bit of time chatting to him ahead of the game just to get the Doncaster perspective on the match, which, of course, we can't provide, but he can. Paul, how are you today, mate? <laughs> yeah, um, not too bad, being a Sunderland fan. It's been a bit of a grim uh, week or so, hasn't it, in that respect? Um, yeah, this yeah. is obviously like a game I look forward to. It's the first game I look for on the fixture list, but it's it's come round again, and I'm kind of really apprehensive and almost dreading it from a Sunderland perspective, to be honest. But we'll come on to that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you actually who 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 you're going to be supporting on Saturday because <laughs> you're, you're you're torn between two clubs. Strictly professional. I think everybody in Doncaster knows that I'm a Sunderland lad, a Sunderland fan, uh, mm. red and white through and through. But obviously, I've become. Uh, very close to Doncaster, you know, I've covered them for about 14 years now. Um, right, they're my right. second team, if you like, so I can't lose on, mm-hmm. on Saturday, put it that way. Well, they're playing red and white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it would have been, I would have, I would say, for instance, you were covering Dalton or something, I think I'd struggle to, to, <laughs> to support any team who play in black and white. Um, so, could, if you if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're a Sunderland fan, you say you've been down there 14 years. 14 years uh, now, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, how, how did that come about? Ex-Monkwearmouth School, went on to City of Sunderland College, got my qualifications, went to Durham University. Uh, I was a decent cricketer back in the day. I played for Sunderland uh, in the North East Premier League. Right. Um, did Had a bit of success there, but I wasn't good enough to be professional. So the next best thing for me was to, to write about sport. And eventually <laughs> right. I got my foot in the door, moved down to here. It's JPI Limited, so I'm working for the Sheffield Star, the Doncaster Free Press, and believe it or not now as well, also helping out on the northeast titles, the Sunderland Echo, Shields Gazette. So eventually, nice. maybe I might move back up to the northeast. We'll we'll see how it goes. Well, well, I, I didn't realise that. I yeah, suppose it's yeah. all changed, hasn't yeah, it? It's the all way... changed, like every industry. There's yeah, not as many people it. covering Sunders as there used to be. Yeah, yeah. But I know Phil Smith as well. Phil, funnily enough, Phil Smith at the Echo. He used to be a little lad at Sunderland Critic Club. He plays there still now. Uh, so there must be something right. about Ashbrook. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> a breeding ground for, for sports journalists. Like, <laughs> So, I mean, like you say, you're a Sunderland fan. What's, what's your thoughts on how things are going at the minute? Are you keeping up with... I presume you are. You're keeping up with oh, how things are going. Me. Yeah, I listen to the lads on Radio Newcastle, actually, are keeping the know um, through that show. I quite enjoy that. And, of course, the content that you guys churn out day in and day out <laughs> um, I think if, if you look at the numbers it's not been a bad start of the season has it in all fairness but the last week or so it's just absolutely it's diabolical and the enthusiasm that I had at the start of the season I actually tipped Sunderland to go up this season but the enthusiasm has just sort of drained out of me these last few days and I'm looking at that team I said on Twitter the other night what are the redeeming qualities of this team at present there's, there's no pace there's no youth and if we're not going to be hard to beat and sort of grind teams down, which I thought we were, if we're not going to do that, what exactly is the plan? Mm. Conversely, though, Doncaster um, did more, more so for the neutrals sort of started well, didn't they? Yeah, well, this is it. I've been thinking about it quite a lot, about the build-up to this game and the two teams. And it's, it's a really interesting contrast because Doncaster are kind of the other side of the coin, if you like, and they've got a, a team who are, are fun to watch. They're actually a really fun team to watch, and I hope the supporters mm. down here appreciate that. Like sometimes they're inconsistent, 
They're a young team, so it doesn't always go to plan. But they're a fun team to watch. They've got old-fashioned wingers who are quick. Uh, James Coppinger still does his business, you know, sometimes Craig from the yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah. Was, he was at Newcastle years ago, but he's been, yeah. he seems to have been at Doncaster forever, doesn't he? Top, top lad, top player. Um, they've got Ben Whiteman, who's a Rolls-Royce for a player. And they, they try and play good football. Like I say, they can't. Consistency is the issue. They can't produce mm. that sort of every every game. And these players are at League One for a reason. Um, they're at League One level um, for a reason. But like I say, that the they play good football. They go out there. They give the all. They've got an identity under Darren Moore, and it's it's a bit of a con- it's a bit of a stark contrast with with what's going on up at Sunderland, where you've got the quality, but <sighs> on paper you've got quality, but. Where where's it going? I don't know. I don't know how, mm-hmm. how you feel about things, but it's it just seems yeah. to be drifting again, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's like I say, it's probably a good time for Doncaster to be playing Sunderland. I'm not looking forward to this week, to be honest. We've got two hard games. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking also at, at Doncaster's uh, recent form. First league game in almost three weeks, I think, because of the break and then cup games and so on. Uh, last time out, drew two two away at Wimbledon in the league. Um, but before that, beat. Lincoln one nil who are up there. Um, though did lose to Plymouth, who are surprising a few people. I mean, what do you, what do you make of the season so far? It seems to like I say entertainment entertaining team, but in those first five or six games, they were flying. So they've tailed off a little bit. Would you say? No, no, it's quite a peculiar no. record. They've actually they've they've beaten um some really big names. They've beaten Ipswich, Lincoln, Portsmouth, and Charlton. But on the sit on the other hand, they've lost to Wigan, Crew, and Plymouth, and. Between us, between us, the press team, you know, the players are talking about it themselves. Why is this happening? Uh, we've tried to get to the bottom of it. And it looks, it looks like they're struggling against teams who go out to stop them rather than play their own game. Where you get the, the bigger teams who are coming, coming up against them and playing their own game and opening up. That's leaving spaces for Doncaster to attack, um, catch them on the break, get their game going. So they've had a bit of joy against mm. the big teams. Whereas... Wigan, for instance, and um, Plymouth sort of came up with a plan to try and stop Doncaster, get bodies behind the ball, and that's that's where they came unstuck. And I think it's probably a problem that Doncaster and Sunderland have had this season when you get that 10 men behind the ball, camping on the edge of the box. In the final third, they have had a few issues. Doncaster's main threat is the quick breaks. Uh, if they're allowed to play through teams, if they get space, if Ben Whiteman's given license, if he's if he's given the space to dictate, he'll he'll dominate a game at this level. Mm. Um, so that's what we think it is. So that it's interesting as to whether Sunderland. You'd think Sunderland will come here and they'll have a go. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? You you, you wouldn't like to think that Sunderland would come here and stick ten men behind the ball. So whether that game plan will work against this Doncaster team because it might allow Donny the space to, to play their own game. So it's an interesting one, this. It's an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like I say, well, does Phil Parkinson this week, from a Sunderland perspective, he might rip it up and just start again, but he seems determined. Well, what, yeah, I've, I've sort of been pondering on this because mm. we spoke at the weekend on the podcast about, uh, well, I did, I, I said I think he knows his time's up. So will he throw everything at it? Or will, he, be, will it be it? a case of more of the same? If I'm honest, <laughs> I don't really... Think it's in him to do that. Mm. I think um, I think it'll just be more of the same from Sunderland. I think a uh, lot of these got... managers, sorry, a lot of these managers are kind of stuck in the ways, aren't they? They'll stick yeah, by their formation yeah. in the hope that it'll it'll come together. Mm. 
you, you've got to know Darren Moore a bit, obviously, recently. Do you think he'll be up for it? I, pre- I presume he's the type of manager who... Is he a good motivator of players, would you say? Because, like you say, they've beat some big teams. He's a real, He's just a really sound, really good guy. Obviously, I haven't seen him behind closed doors, and he won't suffer fills gladly, I'm sure, but he's like a gentle giant. He's respected by the players, the fans. He's an ex-Doncaster player, of course, um, and everybody just really respects the guy. He's sort of a big, you know, he's a big fella. He's imposing, um, and he's he's had a really good impact at Doncaster. It's it's not the easiest mm. place, you know. He hasn't got a massive budget. He hasn't got the resources to go out and spend a lot of money. But the road they've gone down is is bringing in these loan players from from the Premier League, tapping into the loan market. They've actually got six players on loan from Premier well, League clubs, okay. and it's a way of bringing in a quality of player that they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. And and some of those players that have made a, a huge a huge impact and going back to what I said at the start they're also exciting players to watch um, I'll pick out one now for you if you like Josh Sims who's on loan from Southampton he's come in and he just immediately hit the ground running assists goals uh, players on the wing quick uh, good footwork clever player in the final third and yeah they've, they've put together a competitive team Donny um, despite the problems over the summer despite the problems of Covid uh, sadly, they were laying they were laying stuff off over the summer, um, but they've managed to put a, a good competitive team together. And I'd I'd like to think that they'll sneak in the playoffs again this season. If you could pick out, let's say, two players yeah. from that Doncaster squad and put them into Sunderland's team, because <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, and a lot of people will be like me. I don't know a lot about Doncaster. I've, yeah, I know of Ben Whiteman. He's one yeah. player who always gets mentioned. But if I mean, let's say you could pick two players out of that squad and plop them into Sunderland's team. And they'd walk into it and then prove it straight away. Yeah, Ben Whiteman immediately, like I say, just a class act. He sticks out like a sore thumb at times at this level. Gets sits in front of the back four, just gets on the ball, makes things tick. His forward passing is fantastic, really. His passing's got better and better and better. Long range passing, short range passing, and Doncaster's whole game plan really is is playing through the thirds, playing through Ben Whiteman. And of course, he likes to get. He sits deep, but he he pops up on the edge of the box as well, so he latches onto things. And he scored an absolutely stunning goal the other week. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one. A nice team build up on the edge of the box, and he's volleyed it home from twenty yards, like left footed, different class. So <laughs> I've I've heard people say. I heard somebody say on the phone in last night. Sunderland needs somebody in that middle of the park to really get a grip of it, to control the tempo, the flow of the game. Ben Whiteman will do that for you, no problem. And I think. He'll be playing in the championship next season, uh, regardless of where Doncaster are at. And the other one, I think it'd be a toss-up between um, Josh Sims, who I've mentioned. He looks at—I mean, he's played in the Premier League for Southampton. Yeah, he's got a pedigree behind him. He's come in and really looked the part. And um, Tom Anderson, centre back, old school. I think we're all right for cent- Sunderland. We're all right for centre backs, though. So well, I, but... I thought that for a little while there, but then he's playing Luke O'Nine, <laughs> Luke O'Nine oh, there, and well, everyone's getting injured. So. I, that's the one I do not understand from the weekend. Why on earth are we playing Luke or Nine at centre back? Well, let's just see if it carries on because yeah. um, I think that's the one that was the big head scratcher from the weekend. And obviously, yeah. um, if you're Darren Moore, that's what you got to be looking at. Like they're playing a, a centre midfield player who usually plays right wing back at left centre half. We need to target him. Um, yeah. But yeah. okay, so just looking ahead of the game, then um, 
is there, uh, is there any team news out yet for Doncaster? Is there any? Are they going to be full strength, or are they missing a few decent players? They're missing a couple of loan lads. They've missed a couple of loan lads um, strikers for a few weeks now, which which is a shame. So they're relying very heavily on Fajiri Okunabiri to lead the line. You said, I'm glad you got that right, by the way, so I've got it written down. I would never have got his name first time. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. He's the sort of... Um, he holds the ball up well. He's a phys- he gives a bit of a physical presence up there. He's not a kind of poacher as such, but he leads the line. Um, interesting one for you here, though. Reese James has actually been playing in midfield last few games. Where about? In, in the centre? Yeah, as part of a midfield oh. three. Um, he's okay. he's been yeah he's been the holding midfielder a little bit and he's also been given license to go forward a little bit more. They've they've actually got three. They've got a small squad, Donny, but they've actually got three left backs. So as a way of getting them all in, Reese James has slotted into midfield to help the team out, and he's he's grown into the role. He's done quite well actually, mm. and he's he's been a good signing for Donny. You know, he's a really steady Eddie yeah. at this level, and he's one that I look at and think from Sunderland's perspective, you could. He could have done a lot worse. I know they've struggled down that left side a bit, relying on Denver Hume. So, yeah, he, he was he was a funny one, Reese James. He, he played for us obviously at a time when we had also had Brian Oviedo, and he was like, uh, a, I would say he wasn't he wasn't a great offensive player, which mm. I think I think you need to be sometimes. But um, I'm not surprised to hear that he's went in the midfield because he was all right on the ball, defensively sound, and if he's got players around him with experience like Whiteman and so on. Yeah, talking yeah. through games and yeah, there's a I was nice going to ask balance. a little bit about him actually, but yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear he's doing all right. Yeah, definitely. There's a nice balance to this Donny team. Um, they've got another lone lad, Matt Smith from Man City, who's a bit of a ratter, if you like. He gets around the park and gets after people, and it's mm. he sort of complements the Ben Whitemans and Reese James, who are good on the ball. Um, in terms of team news, big one possibly this weekend is John Taylor. I'm not entirely sure whether he's fully fit. He's the ex-Rotherham winger and he's very quick. Right. I think he I think he was linked with us at one point in the uh, last year or so. Yeah. He's a he's a quick player and he's an outlet. He gives this team an outlet. He he, he make he's his pace lets them get up the pitch very quickly and, and I think mm. Don Doncaster are a stronger team when he's in it. So that's that's one to keep an eye on whether he's fit and raring to go. But I think like like you said, they've they've had a weekend off, Donny, they weren't playing at the weekend due to international call-ups, so they're the coming into this game. Uh, they should be fresh, no excuses. Can I eke a prediction out of you, score prediction, <laughs> as, a, as a man who has to sit on the fence? Uh, <laughs> you've beat me too. I knew you'd ask me for a prediction. <laughs> I am going to sit on the fence. Um, but like I think, like I said earlier, it'll just be interesting to see how both teams go about this. I think it'll be a close game. I think there's been close games in recent seasons. Um, but Sunderland have got form, haven't they, in this fixture? that, like I remember last season... At the keep mo, I was similarly down on Sunderland's fortunes, and I was going round telling everyone round here, "Oh, Donny, you're in with a great chance. You'll, you'll do us this weekend." And, and Sunderland turned up, and that was the game mm. that got us going. If you remember, um, yeah. the Donny that they really put on a show, they were organised, they were energetic. So you just don't know, do you? You just don't know what Sunderland are going to turn up. And in a similar vein, you, you don't know what this Doncaster team can do, as the results have shown. If if yeah. Doncaster turn up and bring the rear game then I do fear for Sunderland. Um, mm. If Sunderland turn up and are resilient and are strong and are defensively strong, they can possibly do a job on Donny and, and nick something maybe from a set piece, something like that. So I think it'll be tight, but I'm going to sit on the fence completely and go for a ones-each draw. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're probably safe <laughs> in doing that, to be honest. So 
Paul, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Where can people find your work and your social media and stuff? Yeah, at Paul Goodwin, JPI. And like I say, I'm doing a bit of Sunderland Echo stuff as well now. Um, but mainly covering sport in South Yorkshire at the moment. So Doncaster Free Press, Sheffield Star, and open to further opportunities. I'm doing a bit of commentary on iFollow as well, but I've actually um, backed down for, for this weekend's game because I don't think the Doncaster <laughs> fans want to hear a Macken voice this weekend. So... <laughs> But uh, no, I enjoy your work as well, obviously, with the Roker Report, lads. So it's nice to get invited and come on and hear the Sunland accent and, and get involved. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be back on in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks to Paul for that conversation. Of course, he's, um, like I said, a Sunland fan. So uh, who knows what's going to happen, Paul? But yeah, if it's a draw, it might be a good result for you, I suppose. Uh, Doncaster then, Jimmy, the sit 10th in the table after 10 games. Won five, they've drawn two, they've lost three. They have 17 points from a possible 30. Like I said at the top of the show, probably overperforming a little bit compared to what people, were, what people thought. But I, I certainly wouldn't be underestimating them because they've beat some very, very good teams this season. But like we said, we were just talking off air there a little bit about Ben Whiteman. And Paul was keen to, to point him out. He's somebody who I'm really afraid of, to be honest. And people might think that sounds a bit daft. We're playing a League One team. He's a League One player. But I'm just concerned about our midfield and, and how easily they've become uh, overran in recent weeks. I mean, what do you think of him and the sort of impact he can have on the game? Yeah, no, he's he's, he's a great midfield all-rounder, especially considering his age. I think he was somebody that a lot of people expected to be playing his football in the Championship this season. He's been their captain for a little while. He's seen as a leader. And he's just, yeah, he's, he's one of the better passers in the league. He's a guy who links everything together for them. It'll be interesting to see because Parkinson keeps on talking about pressing because Frankie Francis and Danny Collins keep on talking about pressing. Who does play in the sort of areas he's going to be wanting to play in this week? Does Power get another chance? Is Gooch going to be the guy who's asked to close him down? It's going to be very interesting to see what we do to try and stop him because, yeah, he's a guy with a big reputation as one of the better all-round footballers in the division. Mm. Martin, it's a funny little matchup to be honest, because Sunderland are obviously very rigid, play to a system. And like we've said countless times, the players who play in each position, it, I mean, it could be like for like, they're all asked to do the same job, whatever position they're playing on the pitch. Whereas Doncaster, very free-flowing, they like to move the ball quickly, they've got pace and attack. Uh, is that is that a is that a bad thing for us that we're playing a team like that who like to play on the counter because I, I can't I, to be honest I, I can't work it out I don't know whether that's a bad matchup or not I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup isn't it I think it um, it kind of depends who who gets control of that game early and you know the the, the you know a positive thing with with our system that we've gotten have been well drilled in as we were saying earlier is that you know we are quite structured and we are you know everyone knows the jobs and we've got you know, we have got players who can close close people down. You know, by the sounds of it, you'd probably see um, you know, maybe maybe Dobson comes into the side, which would be um Ugh. certainly not my my choice, but you, you can kind of see Parkinson making a, a case in his own head for somebody like him coming in and you know, we have got players who can close down and press very well off the ball. I think it's the on the ball stuff that we've struggled with this season. So hmm. look it'll, it'll be a really interesting one. I think it's it's, you know, again, a cliche, but whoever gets that first um that first goal or gets that, you know, Whoever gets our first red card, our first penalty, will probably <laughs> probably emerge victorious. Maybe this is my heart rule in my head, but one thing I sort of wanted to mention earlier is Jack Ross always used to talk about how he likes playing the bigger teams, how he liked playing Barnsley back in the day, your Peterboroughs, 
because they'd they'd throw players forwards, they'd throw five or six players forwards, and that mm. would give our better players a chance to play one on one, a chance to play in space. He always used to say, if the game was open, that that favoured us. And I don't know how true that was then or how true it still is, but I think this might be a good barometer for that. If if Doncaster are attacking as they have been, whether there are going to be spaces for Lyndon Gooch maybe to have a bounce back game, whether Maguire can come in and, and sort of win us the game in ways that he has in the past. Maybe that's my heart rule in my head, but that's that's <laughs> one way you can kind of make a case for Sunderland. If it's open, if they're attacking, if they're going to be expansive. Can can Gooch have a big game? Can someone like that go and win us a game of football? See, I think they're the mm. teams that we've struggled against, Jimmy. I think the teams who, who sit back and allow us to control the game and don't really try mm. to come at us will grind them down. I think it's the, the teams like we saw on Saturday where M, you know, MK Dons came and were you know, a bit adventurous and they, they tried to, to play and push up. And yeah, granted, both the goals came mm. from set pieces, but I think they're the teams Portsmouth did it. Um, and even, even at that, Rochdale as well. well Rochdale and that, that Peterborough game at the yeah. start of the season. You know, I, I still maintain that was one of those games that would have gone either way. You know, you'd played that 10 times and got five wins and five, five defeats. So Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think that might be a new thing this season because he's kind of playing Leadbitter as the single pivot. Yeah. I think if teams run at us, there's there's space there for them. Like, it was amazing against MK Dons how many times, like, you're like, oh, thank God for Leadbitter there. Oh, thank God for right there. Like, I remember we went in 1-1 at half time. I remember thinking... If it weren't for those two, we'd be two, three, one down. So maybe that's the thing that he's tried to be more attacking this season in his Phil Parkinson way. And that does leave us more open, like to runners from midfield. Like, was it Williams? I don't, I don't know if I'm getting his name wrong, but the amount of times he'd run past power. And then before you knew it, we were three on three. I do wonder whether that, that's a good point, Martin, that this season with Parkinson's new three, five, two system, whether. If teams are a bit braver, if they can move the ball a bit quicker, whether we are are vulnerable that way, that that's the interesting thing as well, isn't it? Because you know you you look at what has changed from last season when we had that three at the back that was working well to, to this season. Yeah, and the addition or the, the change or the main change has been led better in in that back half of the field, in our defensive half of the field. The change has been led better, and what we've done, we've brought him into the side to sit in front of a back three. So essentially, we've got those four players in central defensive positions. Whereas really, to my mind, if, you, if you're playing somebody that deep in midfield, you only need two centre-halves because otherwise you create a gap in front of Leadbitter where people have got 10 yards to run at them. Mm. And you know that's why yeah. you, you kind of look at this, the players that we've got. We go back to the, the, the conversation earlier in terms of that, that plan B. And you know the only player that five at the back really suits is Denver Hume. You, you look at mm. the squad, that's the only player it really suits. You know, and and it it doesn't suit the likes of Jack Diamond. It doesn't suit the likes of of Dan Neal necessarily either. So you you've got these young players who could come in to add something, but the system isn't set up to to allow them to do it. So mm-hmm. you know, you've got all of these issues. I just think you by playing lead better there, you you really causing you inviting that the opponents to just come mm. ten fifteen yards further forward than they probably would do otherwise. If you're Darren Moore, then what do you do to to try and counteract whatever Sunderland have gotten beat us because. I often think this. I try to place myself in the, in the opposition manager's shoes and think, what would I do against this team? Knowing exactly how we play, because this was a point Sam made on Sunday. If you're if you're the manager of the opposition team, we must be so easy to prepare against because you know exactly how we're going to play. Put yourself in his shoes, Jimmy. What would you do? I think the main thing I'd be emphasizing is be brave. Be brave. If you can 
like we just said, if you can get beyond the first line of our press and Maguire's going to play, who's going to look to be lazy off the ball at times. He's To be fair, this season, he's, he's done a better job of, of closing people down. Like you think of Oxford game, how up for it he was then. But I'd I'd be I'd be thinking where's the dope who's who's switched off and I'd be saying let's let's be brave let's try and play out from the back let's try and get them turned because if we get past that first line of the press they've got Bailey Wright who's a good defender but slow they've got Grant Ledbetter who's smart but slow we can we can get at them we can run at them if we can get Josh Sims one on one if we can get our forward line one on one against their back three there's some joy for us here so if I was him I'd be saying. Let's be brave. Let's look to play out of our third and let's look to get them turning. Let's look to get them going back towards their own goal where, where they don't like going. Anything to add there, Martin? Oh, just two two very simple things. Match the work rate, because I think, as, as Jimmy touched upon before, I think you know the, the effort that the players are putting in, I wouldn't necessarily question that. I think the players are still putting the, the shift in. Um, match the work rate and stop the crosses. And if you can do that, we are very easy to play against. Hmm. I, th- I think one thing we've got to consider probably for this game is the, there's probably going to be a volume of players there who weren't available for the MK Dons game that are going to be now available for this one. Uh, who who do you think comes into the team, Jimmy? Because obviously we saw Remy Matthews play the last game. We saw um, Embleton didn't even feature in the squad when everybody expected him to maybe play a part. Uh, obviously there's the Grigg situation up front where obviously coming out of the game, everybody's sort of blaming Grigg for missing the chance that he did. Will will partner to pull the trigger there. I mean, there's a lot of decisions to be made on the team, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm I'm still wiping the uh, egg off my face from guaranteeing <laughs> Elliot Embleton a place in the squad last week. I thought I thought it was a cert. I was like, well, yeah. How how do you ignore this guy? Someone did point out to me on Twitter that this is a guy who's had a lot of injury problems. Maybe Parkinson's easing his way in. I don't know if that's wishful thinking. I don't know if that's giving Parkinson more credit than he deserves. But I've 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 written down three changes. I mean, Martin, I think's going to disagree, having already said that Willis could be running around on one leg and, and <laughs> still get into the team. But I've, I've, I've said Willis out, Power out, Grig out, Flanagan, McLaughlin, and Maguire in. So my thinking is that Flanagan and McLaughlin are going to take the left centre back and right centre back spot. O nine moves back over to right wing back. Gooch goes back over onto the left and takes Power's place in the team. And Maguire plays off Wyke in, in, in place of Grig. That. That would be what what I'd expect, but but who knows? How about you, Martin? Yeah, I'll see. I think um, I think Willis will play if he's if he's moving and breathing. Flanagan <laughs> <laughs> will probably come back into the side. I think D- didn't McLaughlin go off injured for Northern Ireland? I'm not sure what's wrong with him. I haven't heard anything. Oh yeah, about yeah, that. I did see that. Not, I forgot about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was serious. I've not seen anything. Not seen anything in the press since. Like, but you never know. Yeah. I suppose by the time this drops, that we might have heard from Phil Parkinson yeah. and maybe he'll give an update on that. But. I don't think I've seen anything. Yeah, and I think um, I, think I agree with Jimmy. O'Nine will go back to the right wing back if that's the case. I would expect Burge to come back and goal if his um, if his ankle's recovered from wherever it was. I kept him out on on Saturday, and then you know mm. you kind of looking you you guarantee Ledbit a place in the side. You guarantee Charlie White a place in the side, and after that, I think Parkinson's got a load of cards he'll chuck up in the air at the minute and see what lands because I think he's just trying to find. Something after after that setup, I think he's trying to find whatever works in between, and he's going to keep rotating people until he hits on something. I would expect Maguire to come mm. back in the side because he looked good when he came on against MK Dons. Oh, it's all relative anyway, but he looked better than the other players. <laughs> I'd love to see Embleton get a chance. I don't think he will. And um, as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if if he made a case for Dobson to come back in the side to add a bit of 
graft and some some legs. I, I wouldn't pick them, but you know, who knows? That, the, the mention of that name just depresses me. <laughs> I don't want them anywhere Sorry. in the other team. There we go. The other thing <laughs> I think it's maybe worth adding as well is just just sort of reading between the tea leaves in his post match interview. I thought he sounded furious with Greg. Like that was my yeah. main takeaway from his interview with Oscar straight after he was like. We can't keep missing these chances. Our expected goals has been this, this, and this. Five yards out. I think he repeated five yards out. I think I think he's he must add that in his nightmares. He's just like five yards out. He's five yards out. He has to take these chances. So I think I think Griggs gonna gonna get the axe. I think that was one mm. miss too many. It's one of those things, isn't it, Jimmy? You kind of go if if he drops them, then Grigg will not start another game for Sunderland under Parkinson because that'll be that'll be him done. Mm. Or do you mm. give him another go and go? You know what? That's going to be hanging over over you all week. Get back out and show me what you can can do because I I still like I I think I post on Twitter <laughs> immediately after Greg missed that chance that that's him done at Sunderland. He's never going to score for us. <laughs> um, but you know, in the cold light of day, he's the one player in the squad who can score goals. And you know, you've <laughs> there's still a part of me that thinks the the primary thing that any manager's got to be concerned with at Sunderland with that squad is getting him scoring because that's the best chance we've got of going up and. Really, the system should all be based around getting him into positions where he can put the ball away. Because if he got if he got onto a run, which seems unlikely after two years of bloody trying, mind. But if he got onto a run to score score some goals, he could he could be crucial. But he'll be dropped. <laughs> yeah, I suspect so. Okay, then let's quickly go around the table before we finish up um, with a score prediction from both of you, and maybe some match predictions, and try and work out what you think might happen. Uh, when I spoke, obviously, to Paul, he said one one. He was sitting on the fence. I think I'm along those lines. I fancy us to score, but I also don't fancy us to keep a clean sheet. And I'm just, I'm just a little bit conscious of the fact that the last two losses have been so bad against two very bad teams. Uh, what does that do to the mentality of the group? I guess we'll find out. But for me, I'm thinking ones each. I'm thinking we'll probably get a scrappy goal, maybe a penalty. And I fancy Doncaster to outplay us because they're a good team who are going to be confident. And they have nothing to lose playing Sunday. Jimmy, I can see you sort of swaying there. What do you think? I wanted to say 1-1, one, one, but I, it, it feels like copying when, when that's the first two <laughs> predictions. And I just, I, I'm thinking, do I have enough bottle and enough confidence in Sunderland <laughs> to predict a win after these last three weeks? I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go 1-1 one, one, just just for the reason it's it's hard to have confidence in Sunderland given how badly we've been playing lately. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Martin, are you going to give us a full house or are you feeling well, differently? Yeah. Before we started this this conversation, I, um, I had in my head 1-1 one, one as well. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go for that. <laughs> like this is one of those ga- uh, no result in this game would surprise me. Like Doncaster winning three nil wouldn't surprise me, but us winning two or three nil wouldn't necessarily surprise me. No. Do you remember playing Doncaster? I think it was at the end of the. I think it was on Good Friday yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. We'd been playing crap in the lead up, and then we just battered them. Yeah. I think White scored. Yeah. They're a funny team to play against, aren't they? And I just think this is like this is the pivotal game for Parkinson. If we come away from, from there with a defeat, he is dead man walking. If we come away with a 2 or 3 nil win, he's got a, a stay of execution, hasn't he? Well, I think I think that's the best way of putting it, a stay of execution, because mm-hmm. um, it's a matter of time, isn't it? But, it is. Yeah. But as I said before, I think you know, in, in this period of time where we, you know, we don't know what's happening with the, with the takeover with any, any certainty at all, it's just the most important thing is that we pick up points and just keep things moving until we know what's happening sort of longer term. Um, you know, regardless of anything else, regardless of any long-term plans, the the priority's still got to be going up this season if we can. So we have to just see what we can pick up. And if, say, if we get a point on on paper, 
a point away at Doncaster is a, a good result. I'll go for I'll go for a two 0 win to us just to be different. Why not? End on a positive. Well, thank you very much, lads, for joining us today. Obviously, everybody, you can pick us back up on uh, probably Sunday morning after the game with the player ratings pod. And obviously we'll have the recap show in the follow-up to that probably on Monday. It's going to be a packed week next week with the game on Friday. We'll be pushing everything into a, a, a day less. But of course, as you know, at Sunderland things are a bit mental at present and you never know, we could have new owners by the end of all that. So let's keep our <laughs> fingers crossed and hope that um, come this time next week we'll maybe talk about a win and looking more optimistically towards Fleetwood. But uh, until then, we will see you later. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.